This is Leighton Gray. My name is David John Parker. This is Andrew Lawton. This is James Lindsay. This is Jonathan Peugeot. This is Tanner Nadei. This is Sean Buckley. Hey, this is Brett Kissel, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. New month. Hello, October. Hello, sober October. That's what we're doing on this side. I hope uh, a few of you are joining in. And uh, a new month means a new intro. Man, whoo! I kind of, you know, I kind of got goosebumps walking back through all the old episodes from uh, September. And if you missed a few of those, there's some of the headliners. Certainly, there's a whole lot more from October. Anyways, happy October. Hope everybody uh, uh, enjoyed where we're at, where we're going, everything else. We got good stuff on tap for you uh, coming this month as well. Anyways, before uh, we uh, get to today's episode, let's talk some things. Canadians for Truth, they got a big show coming up here, November 9th, a little ways out. I was just on there. It says uh, tickets are slow, or, well, not slowly. What did it say? Tickets are limited, meaning uh, they've been, <laughs> I don't think Peter McCullough is going to have any problems selling out. They got him coming to Legacy Place in Red Deer. That's November 9th. So if you're uh, if you're looking to get tickets to see Peter McCullough, uh, Canadians for Truth, you better go to canadiansfortruth.ca, go click on their events, and uh, get some tickets. Once again, November 9th, Peter McCullough, Canadians for Truth, uh, they're going to have him in Alberta. So that should be an interesting, interesting uh, night for all of you. Uh, Clay Smiley, team over at Prophet River. They have uh, Meet the CFO Day on October 21st. The Chief Firearms Officer of Alberta, Terry Bryan, who was on the show once upon a time, will be there to meet and greet with the customers. They also have industry reps representing the following lines, and Ed was laughing at me on how I said some of them. So here I go again, Ed. How a spy... Is it spy? Is it spry? Spy Point? Oh, man, I, it's, it's, it's highlighter. Anyways, how a spy point? I'm butchering it again. Nosler, Benelli, Beretta, Steiner... I, 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 I think it's Tika. Anyways, that's how I got it spelt now. I hope I'm saying that right. And uh, is it Sieco or is it Sacco? I don't know. You get the point. Some hunters, gun guys are like, you're an idiot. That's okay. I'm good with it. There will be uh, some sales and specials on as well. That is uh, October 21st, Profit River here in Lloydminster. If uh, you haven't been to the new facility, what better day than October 1st, 21st when they got Meet the CFO? and uh, the Canadian uh, Chief Firearms Officer for Alberta, Terry Bryan, in, in-house. So uh, th- that should be a, a fun day. Tracy and Tyson Mitchell, Mitchco Environmental, they're looking for uh, equipment operators. Farming expertise is a bonus. They're also looking for laborers, seasonal or full-time. Uh, Mitchco is hiring, and if interested, reach out via phone, or if you want to find out more, go to mitchcocorp.ca. Of course, their phone number is 780 now, Silver Gold Bull is North America's premier precious metals dealer. Did you realize they uh, originally from Rocky Mountain House and uh, uh, started there? Now, obviously, out of Calgary and Las Vegas. Uh, they got di- distribution centers out of there. They're uh, entirely online, so uh, they can ship anywhere, anywhere in Canada. And if you're in the States, anywhere in the States. And they ensure that it's fast, fully insured, discreet shipping right to your doorstep. They offer a diverse set of services, including buyback, wholesale, registered savings, IRA accounts, RRSP, and TFSA, as well as storage and refining solutions. You can trust Silver Gold Bolt to elevate your precious metals investment journey with unrivaled expertise and unparalleled convenience. Your prosperity and security are top priority, making Silver Gold Bolt the go-to choice for all your precious metal needs. And did I mention they're Alberta built? You know, like that's pretty cool. Backyard. Rocky Mountain House. I tell you what, who knew? Probably a lot of you. Silvergoldbull.ca. 
And uh, finally, Carly Clausen and the team over at Windsor Plywood, builders of the podcast studio table. And I'm challenging uh, Windsor. I'm challenging all of you. I want a round table. I want a. I want the coolest round table out there. I want a slab of wood that just looks unreal. I want it to, you know, the epoxy, everything. I want it to, I'm working on some things for 2024 and I want a round studio table. So for everything wood, I'm challenging Windsor because they're going to find it for me. I know they will. These are the guys, whether we're talking mantles, decks, windows, doors, sheds, or the podcast studio table, look no further than Windsor plywood. Now let's get on to that tail of the tape brought to you by Hancock Petroleum. Wait a tech. Did I mention James Lindsay is in Edmonton tonight and tomorrow night, Calgary. If you haven't got your tickets, take back Alberta.ca. Go do it. All right. Tale of the tape brought to you by Hancock Petroleum for the past 80 years. Been an industry leader in bulk fuels, lubricants, methanol, and chemicals, delivering to your farm, commercial or oil field locations. For more information, visit them at HancockPetroleum.ca. He's been a family physician in BC for more than 40 years and a member of the College of Physicians and Surgeons of BC since 1978. We're talking about Dr. Stephen Maltos. So buckle up, here we go. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today I'm joined by Dr. Stephen Maltos. So first off, thanks for uh, hopping on. Yeah, thank you. We got to let myself and the and the listener, the viewer, uh, get a little feel for who they're who we got on today. So if you, I, I don't know how much of a story you want to tell, but we got plenty of time. So uh, feel free to kind of give a little bit of your background and and um, and you know your journey to this point. I'm a family physician in British Columbia. I practice here for 43 years. Um, I have a special interest in integrative medicine, which is you know things like homeopathy, acupuncture. Uh, nutrition, I guess you'd say that was kind of an alternative nutrition for doctors. And um, and I'm the past president of the Canada Health Alliance, which is a, an association of about 5,000 members, um, which has the goal of trying to, I'd say, uh, improve the medical care in Canada and uh, to bring different uh, practitioners together. That would be whether you're a, a naturopath, a chiropractor, uh, a doctor, a nurse, um, it could be any type of a practitioner of healthcare, and to try to break down those those, uh, I think, artificial barriers between us to improve uh, patient care. That's what I do. And of course, uh, you know, I, I probably came out on the, the different side of the fence from the college when this, uh, the, uh, the pandemic, or as we call it, the plandemic started up in 2020. You know, Steve, just to have you, uh, or Stephen, just to have your thoughts, I guess, on it, you know, in 43 years of, of uh, being a doctor, I mean, it must have come as a bit of a shock, or maybe not. Maybe I, I don't want to put words in your mouth about the safe supply in, in, in British Columbia. I actually just was having a discussion about this with somebody who isn't from British Columbia, and they're like, oh, it's not that bad. Like, they're trying to help people, and safe supply is a good thing. What What are your thoughts on, on whether it's safe supply or uh, just addictions medicine, I guess? Well, you don't really even need to look at statistics. Just have a walk downtown in Vancouver or Victoria or any large city in uh, in Canada, and you'll start to see the the the, um, the number of of homeless and and what uh, drug users are is just increased dramatically. So again, you don't really need uh, government statistics to tell you that we're in trouble. And the provinces that are that are really making what I, I love that term safe supply um, as their policy, they're really enabling this. 
in in a way that you know those people which may be on the on the border uh, will slip into into excessive drug use and the mortality the death rates and overdose rates have just gone through the roof here and it's a combination of things but certainly um, I think those those uh, provinces which have uh, addiction centers where they actually start to treat people with addiction rather than to uh, give them free drugs um, they're they're doing better in terms of reducing this incidence of of uh, the prevalence of overdoses and um, and and people who are who, you know whose lives are being destroyed and they're now on the street the way British Columbia is going is is disastrous and you only have to go and and walk through any town or city in in, in the country pretty much to see it Safe supply is just giving addicts like clean needles and and a safe place to do it, and it's it's not as bad, and it's keeping them out of like maybe the hospitals and whatever else. And I was like, I would be curious to hear what a doctor from British Columbia or maybe just people in British Columbia would say to that, because the things I read, it, that isn't what it is. Maybe that's where it started, but that's not where it is anymore. Um, but here, I got I got you sitting here, I, all miles, just ask and get your thoughts. What are your thoughts on that statement? Yeah, well, again, this is not really my area of expertise. Uh, you know, I'm a family doctor on a little island in British Columbia, so we don't we don't see that so much. But we have had people, you know, die from uh, uh, from drugs, you know, uh, locally or, or or children that we've known or young children we've known. And a lot of it was came in the, during this COVID era because they were bored, and they they were given money by the government, which they then were spending on on drugs to you know to to have some fun. To pass and, the time. They, oh man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, or you know, or they they have had access because there's more on the streets, um, and you know, it's becoming uh, how would you say uh, um, acceptable uh, for people to to use drugs these days. I think the marijuana issue is one where we see a cannabis store on every corner. So, um, and and it's all it's being sort of how to destigmatize to the point where people think, hey, drugs are okay, and um, this is causing a lot of deaths and uh, a lot of suffering breakups breakups of relationships and so on and uh, this is all part of the the uh build back better plan which means you have to destroy things first right uh, i i don't think this is happening by accident uh we don't know who are the stooges who are the people that are the you know the front men who you know that sort of thing it's par it's part and parcel of of the whole picture it's not just one issue and there are many others particularly in medicine that we've seen in the last three years. It's a takedown of society, destruction. Well, let's talk Bill 36 then. Bill, sure. and you tell me, tell me, like, here's, it says Bill 36, Health Professionals and Occupation Act. Like it sounds, Occupations Act, I should say. It sounds like very professional and there's nothing nefarious about it. What What is it about Bill 36 that uh, that has you concerned and you think everybody else needs to know about well bill uh 36 which is a british columbia uh it's a provincial bill it was passed into law in november uh, on november 24th of last year uh, 2022 and um it, what it did is it rewrote the uh, the health professions act and we as doctors have what we call self-regulation just as every other uh, regulated uh, college has. In other words, we have our peers come in and evaluate us if we're we're thought to be uh, uh, with regard to malpractice or incompetence in, in the practice of medicine. So we were we were self-regulating, but now the government has reached their hand into this, and it's going to have effects in many different ways. So they kind of snuck 
I wouldn't say snuck this through, but they did not read all the clauses. They read less than half of the clauses in the Parliament Bill before they passed this. Most of the, the uh, members of the legislature do, do have no idea what this bill is about. They all sort of voted, you know, yes, I agree, you know, with their party without really knowing what the consequences were. And, and just like, you know, it sounds very professional and why not? It's going to streamline and modernize the uh, regulation of the practitioners. Um, it's not like that when you have a look. Uh, so it was scooted through. In fact, it seemed to break some of their own standing orders in, in passing it back in November. But it's going to have an effect not just on the practitioners, but because of its effect on the practitioner, it will have a practice uh, effect on the general public. Because, you know, in, Can in, in British Columbia, we have more than a million people who do not have a family doctor. Well, I can safely say here that getting a family doctor is, well, I mean, it's difficult. And we've, in, in my kids' lives, so Shay is my oldest, he's seven years old. In seven years, off the top of my head, I think we've had three different family doctors and are currently seeking pretty much a new one because we can't get in the one we have. So it's like, yeah. well, I mean, we, I guess we get, you know, if you have problems, you know, um, you got to go find a doctor. And and that, that would, that's what brought me, you know, to you were talking about uh, homeopathic medicine, you know, well, before we came back to this topic. And that's what led me to uh, uh, Sheila Vale and Vermilion for folks in this area uh, and potential health, which, which you know... I, once again, we had an issue with my daughter, and I was, you know, like, okay, well, let's take her to the daughter doctor, and and that's taken some time. And in the meantime, uh, somebody said, well, why don't you take her here? And I said, okay, well, we'll try it. And within like two days, I'm in. I'm like, oh, that was that was way too easy, you know. Like, I mean, um, no, when it's when you're talking doctors in Canada, it's extremely tough right now to get in. Yes, and it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Most people do not have a family doctor. And if they go to the walk-in clinic, they have to be there before 9 o'clock, and then it's full. Uh, walk-in clinics are closing. Doctors are retiring. Uh, they're going on stress leave. Um, and they're moving to other provinces out of British Columbia, particularly Alberta. But um, Bill 36 um, has some, many of its clauses, but all of its clauses are really detrimental to the health care of British Columbians. And I think this is a, a trial a, a balloon that's, been gone, that's gone up, and it will go across the country. Uh, if it's successful, if we don't push back against it. And so let me just tell you some of the stuff that's bu sure. in Bill yeah. 36. Yeah, I would love to hear what's in Bill 36. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's trying to fix things that don't need to be fixed. One is, is taking uh, a 15 or so regulatory colleges where, you know, that could be uh, optometrists, uh, dentists, um, doctors, nurses, any any self-regulating uh, profession, and it's it's boiling down to now to six. So uh, it's it's condensing all the colleges. So we're we're gonna we're with the podiatrists already, and we kind of wonder, okay, you know, there's a connection, but uh, other other colleges are going to be put together um, that are seem to be uh, quite distant in, in their scopes of practice. The other thing is that it's going to be uh, the the normally in, in for doctors. I'll speak on our college. We have half of the of the directors, the advisory uh, council are are elected. Uh, doctors who have experience but now all those will, the accounts will be entirely appointed by the ministry of health and so we they could have anybody they want on there the other thing is that doc, doctors themselves will have to do anything that the that the ministry of health says otherwise they'll have their license potentially have their license removed if they uh by that i mean that they have to take every drug and every vaccine whether it's a covid shot or whatever that the that the ministry of uh Ministry of Health, the government tells them they have to take. Otherwise, they 
can stop. We'll have to stop practicing. Um, if there's a complaint, uh, anonymous complaint that, that the ministry can just close their practice without notice, you might go one day and find your door locked. And uh, while the complaint is being investigated, it could be anonymous. Doctors will never know who said anything, who, who put in the complaint. Um, there are just so many aspects to it. It's, it's kind of hard to know where to stand. If a doctor speaks out, in other words, says something which is considered misinformation, they could be fined up to $200,000 and six months in jail. If they're a single a doctor that's not incorporated, if incorporated, it could be up to, to $500,000 and two years in jail for, for, for giving misinformation to a patient. Now, their misinformation may be, you know, what the government doesn't want you to say. And so the uh, individual treatment and your, uh, how would you say, your, the doctor telling you the truth based on his or her uh, knowledge, that will be out the window. If you don't follow the algorithm given to you by the, by the government, for example, get your COVID shot. If any doctors had said, don't get your COVID shot, it's dangerous, um, they themselves would have been at risk of fines and being in prison. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. And it was passed without real dis d full debate. So before I, 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 I wrote it down, that was a lot. Let, let's start here. Who's pushing it? Like, is it just the British Columbia government? Like the premier is pushing this? Or is there like, this is the person pushing this. They think it's a great idea. Well, Adrian Dix is our minister of health. And I think he would have to shoulder most of the blame for this. But, uh, you know, you kind of wonder who's running our government. <laughs> Goes into another question. Now, there's who's telling these people what to do. This plan, it came, uh, this uh, Bill 36 was written by uh, the NDPs, uh, the Liberals, and the Green Party here. So they all played a hand in writing this. Uh, but you kind of wonder who wrote it for them in some ways, because it's so draconian. Its control is so extensive on the medical profession. And the outcome is so obvious that it's going to destroy healthcare in this province. Um, you you kind of wonder who would have that kind of nefarious plan in mind. I don't think these people are smart enough to tell you the truth. Um, but, you know, who knows? And when, you know, you're talking to colleagues or, or what have you, I know you're on an island, so I know, you, you know, it, it, it's not like you're bumping into, I, I assume not, I could be wrong, Stephen, but I assume being a little secluded, you know, you're not bumping into uh, colleagues every single day, but maybe you are. Um, when you're talking to them, like, is anyone, well, well, no, this is the reason they're doing that, and this is a great idea. Like, is there anyone championing this that's like, th these are the why, like, is there any arguments you've heard, I guess, you're like, Actually, that kind of makes sense, and and they they want to do this, and and you know, obviously, like some of this is like completely insane. But is there anything that you're like, well, th this is kind of where they're coming from? Yeah, well, it's a huge bill. It's the second biggest bill that was ever passed in British Columbia, and so even the MLAs have not read this bill. Doctors are completely ignorant of it, and they how, how big are we talking? Well, we're talking uh, 645 sections and 276 pages. Okay. It's big. It's big. And it was not debated even. I mean, they essentially read it through without any debate. Uh, well, some debate, but they only actually discussed um, less than half of this before it was passed. It was a huge bill. Um, and the, and the, the, uh, the overreach of the, of the government, which is uh, um, enacted with this bill, is, is going to be uh, detrimental to every doctor. They're already feeling it. I mean, they're, they're leaving the province not just doctors, but nurses and all, you know, chiropractors, everyone, they're going to leave the province and people who can't get a doctor now will not be getting a doctor in the future. That's why emergency rooms are closing, you know, doctor, they can't staff them, not just doctors, but nurses, you know, you need to have 
the cleaning staff and everything to, to make a hospital run. And uh, if, you know, we've already attacked um, and undermined the, the uh, healthcare practitioners through this idea of compulsory vaccination to work in a, a government run facility. And uh, in every other province, I believe, but can't, but BC and, and I'm not sure, I think Nova Scotia also might be included in that. They've welcomed back their unvaccinated uh, practitioners into government facilities. And uh, we're not doing that in BC. So already we're starting off with a, um, you know, a, a, with a detriment in that we don't, we don't have, we can't staff the hospitals. Emergency rooms are closing overnight for the weekend. Um, the care in them, I think it was Surrey Memorial said, you know, don't come here. We're understaffed. We can't treat people properly. Uh, we're, this is a danger and it needs to be fixed. Well, how does the government fix it? You know, they, they, they pretend to throw more money at it. And, um, and then they come out with things like Bill 36. Condensing the colleges to six, you said 15 down to six. When you hear that, like, all I hear is more centralization, which is like, whew, you know, like, uh, I want to be as far away from that as possible. But on the flip side, I'm like, but maybe it's costing taxpayers, I don't know, or, or, or I, don't, I actually don't know the answer to this. Maybe it isn't costing taxpayers anything. I just go, maybe 15 colleges is kind of like this bloated bureaucracy and it needs to be shrunk, right? There's like, there's possibly the, the theory that, you know, like, 15 is way too much. You know, you, you, you talk to certain people about the government and the size of it. And they're like, well, get rid of half of it. We don't need half of it anyways. Is there anything to be said when it comes to the, the College of Physicians? And you mentioned like optometrists and all that to condense them makes it makes little sense to me. But I maybe there is some more to it that I'm missing. Yeah, superficially, you think, hey, let's just reduce bureaucracy, the administration component of these colleges and save money. But if they're mismanaged and if if, uh, you know, uh, someone who doesn't know anything about chiropractic, who's a, you know, maybe a dentist, uh, you know, a dental college. I mean, if, if you have people trying to make decisions um, about other fields of healthcare that they know nothing about, then you're 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 going into uh, dangerous waters there um, because the, the chance of mismanagement, which will be more expensive. Um, out easily outweighs the the idea of you know amalgamating all these colleges i think they're amalgamated so that the that the government can control them more easily to tell you the truth and have fewer fewer well, pitch battles well one of the things that like the condensing of colleges to six i'm like uh i don't fully understand that that's that's where you sit and, and you can give a very bird's eye view of like why that isn't the thing that you said that really bothers me is the council will be appointed by the ministry of health which means the government's going to decide who oversees all the doctors in all the fields. This isn't just like the 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 home, you know, like the physician, like this isn't the ER doc. This is like eyes, heart, every part of your body that you go to see somebody, this is all of it is going to be appointed by the government. Did I hear that correct? That's right, yeah. Now who they appoint is unclear, but they have complete control then over over doctors. Uh and if they don't like what you're saying, they can they can chuck you in jail if they want to. Uh, they can do things without really even court orders, it seems. They can come in and seize patients' charts out of the doctor's office at a moment's notice, which you couldn't do before. And um, and they can lock the doors of your, of your office the morning that you intend to go and see patients. There are things like that that are written into it. Now, it has not been enacted, and they're going to fill this out, which is another thing. It's an extremely – it's vague in so many ways that they can do whatever they want pretty much in the back rooms behind closed doors, they can they can fill in what they think is misinformation. And uh, and again, if you don't follow what they consider to be real information, 
um, as a doctor, then, um, you know, you can be penalized. You can lose your license. So really, uh, these people should not be involved in healthcare. They're a danger to the public. Now, the other thing is they can also accept any type of rules or regulations that they want to, whether they're from another province or another country. And I'm just thinking the way they, they do it is they can, um, what is it? They can accept uh, into law, adopt as law in BC, any regulations, codes, or standards or rules enacted in foreign jurisdictions or international bodies. Now, if that's not opening the door to the WHO, taking over Canadian healthcare, I don't know what is really. Well, and the thing is, sitting here as an Albertan, you know, uh, um, I just think of Soji. Uh, actually, you know, when, when we're looking at BC and we go, Sean, why don't like, I can, I can hear a few people because, you know, we had the one million march for children. And one of the things that came up in Lloyd is we're, we're governed by Saskatchewan. So the big thing was, well, is it even in Saskatchewan? I'm like, well, no, but it's in Alberta and it's all across BC. And you can just see whether it's in the next year or the next 10 years. Like, it's just going to solely, like, this isn't, you know, although it's not here right this instant, although some would argue, and I'm going to have some different people talking Soji specific, where it's already started to come into Saskatchewan and it's already in Alberta and blah, blah, blah. You go, with this bill in BC, take the same mentality and realize if it's enacted there, you can see how the government works in trying to bring it across a country. And if they're trying to get it so that unelected officials, which, you know, WHO, I mean, I don't need to say more than that, do I, folks? Um, if they can do it in BC and start to make a case for it, then maybe maybe BC, uh, Alberta doesn't, but maybe Saskatchewan does, or maybe Manitoba does. And then maybe you got three or four provinces that do this. And eventually, you can see how over time it just comes in. So you might as well snuff it out before it ever gets any further than what they're doing. Yeah, well, that's that's the way it is happens, right? It's, it's a tiptoe to tyranny, and um, it's you know it's you try it, sorry try it here, see if there's pushback. If there's no pushback, you go further with it. I mean, that's been the the game plan since uh, for the last oh well, I would say you know obviously for the last three years, but it, you know for a long time, you know try something else, add a little tax, add another little tax, add another little tax, you know, and before you know it, people are are being uh, taxed out of their homes. Uh, that's pretty pretty obvious, and. But this bill is just, it's its an unbelievable, really, in that, you know, it threatens healthcare by threatening the providers of healthcare. And it doesn't, it, it interferes with the doctor-patient relationship and with privacy. So um, there's nothing good about this bill, except if you were the Minister of Health and you wanted to be become very powerful and control the whole system, you could do that. So it's, it's government overreach on steroids, really. So where does it sit right now? You you mentioned uh, that it hasn't been filled out and and there's some things they got to do and et cetera, et cetera. Where does it sit right now? Well, uh, from what we can estimate, it will probably be enacted and sort of put into uh, into functionality within about a year, and um, and that means although the, it has was passed, um, it, it's it's not really been enacted. I don't have any colleagues who've been thrown into jail yet, and many of them you know are speaking out and have spoken out. The problem is it may be retroactive, so it could reach back into November of, of 2022. It's possible. And so if we said something on the podcast today, which is not government... Uh, um, so we're all going to jail. So when we, when we talk about the gulags being an interesting... British Columbia, but uh, uh, anyone who has a license. But it also reaches outside licensed professions. In other words, those that are self-regulating. 
it can, if you were, for example, a homeopathic practitioner, this actually reaches out and gets you too. If you were a retired doctor, it reaches out and gets you. In other words, if you say something and you're a retired physician, you also could be held uh, responsible by the government and penalized in some way. I just feel like a common sense, even politician, has to listen to that and go, this is insane. Why would we do this and strike this down and get that out of there? What, well, has, what has been the feedback when you bring up these points to someone? Well, uh, Adrian Dix said uh, the minister says what the minister says when he was he was asked by the doctors of BC, which is kind of the doctors union association. It's not the regulatory body, which is the college. But when he was asked, um, you know, about this bill and uh, and and doctors of BC is asked twice to uh, to have some input into this bill, and they were pretty much ignored. And he made this comment of you know the minister the minister does what the the minister says what the minister says something to that effect. And, um, you know, they don't care. They don't care. Because, you know, all politicians are only out there to get votes. If people are fast asleep uh, and they can propagandize them to get their vote, they'll do that. In fact, that's probably the, when did the government ever stand up for the for the people that elected them? Well, I, 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 I think of rarity. Andrew. I think of Andrew Lawton again, where he said, you know, you have to create the conditions where even bad politicians will do the right thing. So in this um, area, with this Bill 36, I, I, I'm assuming I'm, I can speak for the audience here and going like, I don't think anybody's for this. So how do you create the conditions to help not only Dr. Stephen Malthouse and all the doctors of British Columbia, but think about it from the standpoint of just if you're in any other province and this is going on somewhere in Canada, how do we create the conditions that uh, the British Columbia goes, oh, we're gonna we're gonna get rid of a few things in this bill, and and oh, we're not gonna do this, and we're not gonna do that. How do yeah. how do we do that? Well, that's a good question because this bill is just really a, an example of the what is going on in Canada, you know, with regard to the pandemic and the different attacks on our food supply and you know our our air and and water and 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 what's happening in our schools and the judiciary and the financial system. I mean, this is just one part in the medical thing. So I think at the bottom line, people just have to recognize who the real enemies are here, who is trying to either uh, maim them or kill them. It appears like that. And, um, you know, and take away their rights. And then they have to, to face that enemy and say, no, I'm not going to do that. So waking up is going to be is going to be a big key and telling other people, hey, look at this. And this is what it's really saying. It's not, you know, streamlining and and, and modernizing and uh, cost cutting. It's actually under those disguised, those sort of catchwords that politicians always use. Um, it's it's destroying healthcare in the province. So when people start to realize that they have to, the, the the bottom line is they're going to have to say no. I'm not doing that. That's the bottom line. But uh, when then but the influences, you know, how to influence your your uh, elected officials. You know how to influence in this province. You're a member of, of the legislature. That is a good question, and uh, of course we try to do that. They they're kind of like everything is fine, not to worry. You know we have it under control, and they've never even read the bill. So um, that's why we have, for example, a uh, um, a postcard um, uh, program where we're asking people to send postcards and just to let them know that if they don't change the way they're behaving, we're not going to vote for them. I'm just reminded of the little dog cartoon where he's sitting in the house and the entire house is on fire and he's like, it's fine. It's fine. It's yeah. Fine. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, really, I mean, it doesn't, it's like the drug question. You don't have to have the statistics. Just go for a walk downtown. Well, I mean, uh, here, in, here in Lloyd Minster, you've seen an interesting change. You go to Edmonton and like Edmonton, like there's full on tent city there. And you go to Calgary and, uh, you know, they, I interviewed two firefighters and they talked about them as, they called them day walkers, which is, which is funny because that's, that's literally from a vampire movie where they can walk in the daylight, right? And the day walkers are these people who are high on something and it ain't just life, folks. And they're no. walking around and they look, well, you can just pick them out. It's like, this is, no. this is yeah. something. And that's, that's just the, you know, I'm, I'm talking about my hometown. I'm talking about the two biggest cities in, in, uh, in Alberta. And you can just see it. It's just, it's, it's so evident. And yeah, like, I'm, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been a wild, an interesting ride, but I mean, coming back all the way to Bill Thirty Six, um, yeah, I. We have to create conditions where the politicians, yeah, like I. Ever since Andrew Lawton told me that, I've been like, that makes complete sense to me. That's why you know, um, peaceful non-compliance, as you had pointed out, is is so important, and that's why you know, like I'd never protested in my life, and through COVID, I went to two, one in Edmonton, one in Ottawa. And then we just had the first protest I've ever been to in my hometown. And I'm like, I ain't for doing this. I don't want to do this. But right now, I, I we have to get the eye of politicians. And of honestly, when you talk about waking people up, we have to get the eye of, of our, our, our community mm-hmm. and let them know that things aren't okay. And probably, too, it's okay that we recognize things aren't okay to like come out and be a part of something and be like, this is healthy. We're not okay with what's going on. And we need to voice that more and more. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and there, there are ways of doing it. You know, I think one of the most effective ways is to make sure you, you're talking to your neighbor over the, over the fence, because that's the way it's going to work. The, you know, the media is, is completely controlled. So you're not going to get it out. Well, I would say, the the what they call the legacy media. I think that's too nice, too nice a term, the legacy it's corp- media. It's, it's corporate media. Yeah. Corporate media. Yeah, that's completely captured, and of course, most people are watching uh, CBC, and you know, still believe it's a good it's a, a good outlet for information. Well, I mean, and, I don't know if you saw this, but they had an actual Nazi in Parliament and gave him yes. a standing O. And yeah. I go like, if that didn't crack some more skulls, uh, you know, like every single day, this is what gives me hope. Yeah. Every single yeah. day, more people are turning away from corporate media and are finding whether it's me or somebody else, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. They're, they're turning and trying to find different information to try and make sense of what the heck is going on. Yeah. Because absolutely. like there, there's a ton of people that got vaccinated, you know, to stick to talk about COVID that are great human beings that are like, what is going on? Right. Yeah. They got pressured in or they thought there was no harm or there's a thousand different reasons on why. And then mm-hmm. as it turned up a notch, I mean, Chris Barber literally was one of the lead guys for the freedom convoy. He's vaccinated. And he drove across Canada because he's and he's on trial, you know, for standing up against the mandates and everything else. And every day that goes by, another person goes, something ain't right here. Now, do I wish it was everybody all at once? Yes. But uh, I'm I'm very thankful that more and more people are starting. That, that gives me hope. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, more people are starting to wonder about it. But there, and there are a lot of people who kind of like are scratching their heads, but they can't connect the dots yet. Right. They probably had a death in the family, uh, COVID shot related, and they haven't identified it, but they think it's unusual that a 36-year-old should die in his bed, uh, but the doctor might uh, gaslight them and say, hey, well, that happens. It's very rare, but you never know, right? And uh, that sort of thing. But how many deaths does it require 
in a community before they'll start to, to really say, hey, something is not right here. And, um, you know, a bit's it doesn't once your eyes get open a little bit just go like whoa these all these interconnected things what's happening in our schools what's happening in our in our courts what's happening uh, in the food supply uh, what's happening in our banks i mean digital currencies and uh identities that sort of thing you know it's it's a what we call in it's called in basketball the full court press it's everything is coming our way to block us um all at once and um that's that's that is very difficult uh, for people to to take because it also means your government is out to kill you. It's not. It's, it appears to be out to kill you anyway, and or at least to maim your family. And uh, and it's, and our, our 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 public health system is pushing more vaccines for six month old children, the COVID shots, which you know were, were I think they had twenty mice uh, in the trial, of the last one, and um, you know. But uh, I I think what also it, it it does there's there's a lot of negative things happening, but out of the negative also we have the you know, we have the light uh, as well, which means that people are starting to recognize the dangers of the medical system, and particularly the vaccine situation. They need to really have a look at that childhood vaccines as well as the COVID shot. Um, so hopefully people are starting to have some doubts about the way things have been run for the last, you know, 100 years. Rockefeller medicine. And I think your example of taking your child to, to, uh, to a, um, a nurse practitioner or a nurse who is practicing homeopathy is a good example of that. People are starting to kind of say, wait a minute, this is doesn't, this is not good. I need to change things up. Well, I appreciate you coming on, uh, uh, Stephen, and I hope uh, I can see Anna sitting in. She's been bouncing in and out of the waiting room. And uh, I hope uh, I'm going to give her a call after we're done because I, I hope that I can find a way to uh, – uh, get her back on and talk a little bit Bill 36 and uh, addictions medicine for that matter because I think that'll be well I, I think that entire thing is is fascinating because it's a big problem here in um, in uh, in uh, Canada and uh, probably more than just Canada I think we can look down at the states and see they got some issues going on there as well um, before I let you off though is there anything else you want to you want to make sure people know uh, when it comes to Bill 36 uh, when it comes to uh, you know, because uh, certainly uh, we got time, and, and if you have something to say, I'll, I'll let you have the mic. Well, f well, thanks, Sean. I think only from Bill 36, and, and people always say, what can I do about this? And uh, I think the first thing is to is to uh, try to contact your, your MLA, your, um, your member of the Legislative, legislative Assembly, to go and speak to he or her and let them know that you want to know what it is. Get them to print out the bill in their office. And so that they get a chance to read it, to make two copies, one for you and one for them. There is also a um, this program or uh, uh, of of sending in cards, and people can go to the uh, website C S S E M. That's uh, Charlie Sam Sam uh, Elephant uh, Margaret dot uh, org, which is a doctor association. It stands for the Canadian Society for Science and Ethics and Medicine, and there they can learn about the the pushback campaign um, about Bill 36, and they can download and print or uh, one of the cards there and uh, and send that into their MLA. Uh, that would be a good thing. And and become an activist, whether it's just talking over the in the neighborhood fence, uh, going to downtown with a placard or whatever, uh, to get involved in some way, even if it's small, even if it's, it's just contributing some money to one of these organizations uh, that will you know is are on the front lines doing the work for you. So that's that's what I would recommend people do. Become an activist. You know, don't sit on your couch anymore. There's no time for that. They're coming for you and they're coming for your children. 
and most people don't know who they are. It's uh, it's interesting. I, I think of Jordan Peterson when you put it that way. You know, uh, become an activist. It's um, in order order to uh, in order to change some of the things going on. You got to start talking to people. And what happens when you start talking to people is you're going to find out you don't know as much as you thought you knew, and you're going to have to go and do some research. And you have to read. And you're going to have to get better at, at communicating it and and get your thoughts in order. And and on and on it goes. And as you get better at that, then people are going to push you up and up because they're going to be like, well, you got to run for this, or you got to do that, or you got to come to this. And eventually, you might be in a place where you can actually do some good. And if you sit on the couch, um, certainly we all need a couple days like that because I'll be the first to say, don't burn yourself out, right? Because you, you know this doesn't get solved in two days. Uh, this this is this is a, a marathon. This is you know, if you go back to the good and evil, you know, you go back to the Bible. I mean, Satan's been around a long time. God's been around a long time, and uh, this has been the fight that's been going on since the dawn of time. And I would just say that this is our version, and uh, it's starting to show its head, and uh, we're seeing it. And, you know, as much as that unnerved me at the start, I'm just happy I can see it now. And so it's just like, well, buckle in, because uh, this, this isn't a sprint. I, I, I think we learned that with the Freedom Convoy. You know, you thought everything was going to be done, and certainly it was, uh, it was a well-placed— uh, uh, left jab or right hook or whatever you want in the boxing terminology. Um, but the match continues, and uh, we're seeing that, and we're starting to see that in multiple different ways, whether it's Bill 36 or some of the things coming down with school systems and, and, and on and on, honestly, this goes. So I, I think, you know, uh, your, your thought on community and talking to people, um, that is going to challenge people to get better, and that's a good thing. Yeah. And that's where it has to start. This is a grassroots change. And, you know, we've, we've been, we, everything has been driven from the top down. You know, there's a small group of elite that control everything them and their buddies. And then they have uh, people that, you know, they're gophers and gophers and uh, you know, on down and people that are enablers for what's been happening these last three years, Uh, the medical profession, one of the, one of the worst enablers tell you the truth. Um, not necessarily intentionally, but through propagandizing and uh, and essentially being put into a hypnotic trance to believe that all your journals and your government and ministries and your colleges and your your associations and uh, are are telling you the truth. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's grassroots means it's up to you. I don't think there's any doubt the outcome will be um, you know God's going to win. Let's say, but um, depending on what your 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 spiritual faith is, but um, I don't think there's any doubt, but it's, you know, you've got, if you want to, if you want to be on the team, you know, the winning team, you better get up and, and do something and there's no time to waste. I agree. Well, thank you, sir, for, for coming on. Uh, I do appreciate you giving me some time and, and battling through, you know, hopefully uh, with Anna, we get her, we get her back on. Cause I'm sure listeners are gonna be like, she had some interesting thoughts there, Sean, you're going to have to talk to her. And I'm sure we will either way. Thanks for giving me some time this morning. And, uh, and we'll be paying attention now here out east of you guys. It sounds weird to say out east when, you know, we're out west. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll be paying attention to see what comes of uh, the, the Bill 36 and things in B.C. And, and uh, hopefully we can help shed some light on it uh, to hopefully create the conditions so politicians wake up and uh, start doing some things that make a lot of sense. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me, Sean.